Well, good morning. Uh, welcome here, whether you are uh, someone just tuning in and passing by this morning on Facebook, whether you call Regen or Otterbein, any of the communities that meet at 1128 State Road home. Uh, I'm glad to be with you this morning. My name is Kyle. <clears throat> I get to be one of the pastors here at Regen. And we made an audible call last night, uh, the leadership team of both churches, to uh, go ahead and move to online worship only this morning. And let me tell you why. As uh, yesterday I woke up and started spending the day with my family, I found more and more just feeling some cold-like symptoms, which is super common for me uh, when it's, you know, 75 or 78 on Monday and Tuesday and then 45 on Saturday. Uh, but I started to feel pretty hoarse and just thought this is not the kind of person that I would want to come to one of our in-person gatherings on a Sunday morning. And I'm in charge and usually we have some other people that could pinch hit at the last moment and that wasn't going to be possible this week. And so we decided to move online today uh, just as a way to be practicing, you know, that phrase that we love to hear, an abundance of caution. And so we're here this morning, we get to gather together uh, in a scattered way uh, where the Holy Spirit binds our hearts together while we worship from Cortland and Champion and Girard and even out of the state in Arizona and South Dakota and New York and other places. And so we're, we're thankful for that. And so uh, it's good to be with you. I just want to share with you a couple of announcements that'll help us get through the rest of the morning together before we open scripture together, and forgive me for being the guy that, you know, sips on tea from time to time, but that'll help us kind of make it all the way through, but it's really good to be with you. I'm thankful for the investment that we've made in this space to be able to make this work and work well, so let me just turn to our announcements just real fast so I don't forget. Um, after our gathering this morning, we will uh, have some prayer rooms available via Zoom, and so uh, the comment section of both the Facebook and the YouTube will have a Zoom link that you can click at the end of the worship. Uh, Steph will be there, Stephanie, my wife, will be there in kind of a lobby to welcome you, and then she'll place you with someone from our oversight team for prayer, and I'm excited that we can do that. That's just been a fun way. Uh, we've had people experience, it's a fun way for us to connect, and we've had people experience physical healing uh, even at a distance through that. And so we know that God is not limited by space in the same way as we are, and we're thankful for that. So there'll be some prayer gathering after this service via Zoom if you'd like to join. And then this Wednesday was our scheduled church-wide day of prayer. And I want to remind you that that's still happening. And in fact, I want you to uh, pay attention to your phones this afternoon because yet another text will come your way with a sign-up, and you can sign up for a 15-minute time slot on Wednesday that you can pray from wherever you are. You can pray from wherever you are, from work, uh, from home, and if five minutes of your 15-minute slot is all you can pray for, something is better than nothing, we'll be emailing out a guide for that time. And the focus of our gathering, uh, our prayer day this Wednesday, is hunger for God, of repenting of the appetites and ambitions and our need for approval, repenting of those things so that there's more room in our lives for the Lord. Uh, so there'll be 15-minute time slots you can sign up for throughout the day. There will be four Zoom prayer times that are a half hour each throughout the day, two in the morning, one midday, and one in the afternoon. And then Wednesday evening, 
We were going to do a hybrid prayer gathering, but that gathering will be all online via Zoom. So we won't meet in person. We'll meet via Zoom on Wednesday night. We'll worship together. I'll offer a little bit of teaching, and then we'll break up into smaller groups to pray together around becoming a church that's hungry for God. So that's this Wednesday. Also this Wednesday, uh, if you're part of the Regen Worshiping Community, the pre-registrations, the reserve your seat option for our Christmas candlelight services will go live. We're offering two Christmas candlelight services, one at 4.30, one at 6.30 on Sunday, Janu uh, Sunday, December the 20th. And we need you to reserve your seat ahead of time uh, to cancel if your plans change. And the reason we need that is to know if we need to do three gatherings that day. And so that'll be the 20th. If you're part of the Otterbein worshiping community, we will have our Christmas Eve gathering on December the 24th, Christmas Eve at 4.30. And so that's what that will look like. Uh, this morning, we're starting a two-week series on generosity. And as we start that, I just wanted to invite you to join me in praying uh, our giving liturgy. This is not just something that we read. It's a prayer that we pray. And uh, someone just actually said to me that they're always amazed at how phrases from this time of this, this prayer that we've uh, been praying over the last few months shapes even their personal prayer time. So those words will be on the screen. I want to invite you to pray them out loud from wherever you are. Uh, so let's pray together. Holy Father, there is nothing I have that you have not given me. All I have and am belong to you, bought with the blood of Jesus. To spend everything on myself and to give without sacrifice is the way of the world that you cannot abide. But generosity is the way of those who call Christ their Lord, who love him with free hearts and serve him with renewed minds, who withstand the delusion of riches that chokes the word, whose hearts are in your kingdom and not in the systems of the world. I am determined to increase in generosity until it can be said that there is no needy person among us. I am determined to be trustworthy with such a little thing as money, that you may trust me with true riches. Above all, I am determined to be generous because you, Father, are generous. It is the delight of your daughters and sons to share your traits and to show what you are like to all the world. Let's continue in that spirit of prayer and join me as we turn to scripture together. Father, it really is our delight to know you. It is, our, it is a pleasure, it is a gift to know you and to have an opportunity to draw close to you today. And it is our desire to be like you in every way. And so as we open scripture this morning, we do it with that heart. We do it with a heart to know you uh, and know you better. And so Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and help me communicate what I sense you've given me. I pray that you would uh, come into every room where uh, worship is being watched this morning so that we can more faithfully be your people. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We introduced that giving liturgy sometime back in the depths of quarantine to connect that work of generosity to worship. I started to feel like one of those late-night TV preachers uh, who was asking you for your money. That's how I started to feel. And it's how I started to feel uh, about this sermon that I had planned on preaching the more and more I thought about it. Uh, because we're starting a two-week series on generosity, and, and I was going to jump right in on the practice of generosity. And then I realized that I would be in a room looking at a camera, that Holden would be on the other side of that, making sure it's all going smoothly, and that I would then suddenly become yet again like a late-night televangelist asking you for money, and I didn't feel comfortable with that. So 
As we talked as an oversight team last night, the oversight team leads our spiritual family here at Regen. Uh, Art Cooper extended an invitation to change up what I was preaching. And at first I didn't like that idea. I, what I prepared was kind of inside my head, I was ready. But as I prayed about that after we met, I felt this nudge to look at, at James 1 at a passage that's really all about God's generosity. We're really just going to look at a couple verses this morning. But instead of starting, instead of starting with our practice of generosity, uh, of this thing that we do, I want to look at generosity as something that God is in his character. I want us to look at who God is in his nature. Uh, because generosity isn't something that we do. It is a discipline that we take on as practitioners of the way of Jesus. It's true. But it's not something that we do. Generosity, if it's something we practice, it's because it's something God is. That's why we pray every week. It's our desire to be generous because you, are, you Father, are generous. That's, that's the aim, that we, that we become generous like God is generous. I mean, generosity is a part of God's character. In John 3, Jesus says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever should believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, he gave. For God so loved, he gave. For God, generosity is just as natural as mercy and forgiveness and justice and, and even wrath. And this morning, I just want to take a few minutes to reflect on the generosity of God, how it's in God's nature to be generous. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and grab it and turn with me to James chapter 1. James is a New Testament book. Toward the end of the New Testament, it comes after the epistle to the Hebrews. We're going to look at James chapter 1, and I want to just start by reading verse 5. It says this, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. We'll get to that wisdom part in just a minute. But look at what James, who, by the way, is the half-brother of Jesus, look at what James has to say about God. He says that God is generous. In fact, he says that God is, in his nature, so generous that he's willing to give us what we ask for, which is why James says he won't rebuke you for asking. A lot of us struggle to ask for what we need or what we want. One of the most important things I've learned in the last handful of years is that it is maturity to ask for what we need or what we want. I think sometimes we feel like we can't ask for what we want or, uh, or what we need from others because we feel like they will rebuke us for asking. But James says God will not rebuke us for asking him for what we need or what we want. James is trying to help us overcome that hesitation or even that fear that stops us from asking God for what we need. He says that when we ask God for what we want or what we need, we won't be rebuked for asking. We won't be rebuked for asking because we're asking God to do something that comes naturally to him. Uh, LeBron James does not rebuke someone for asking him to do a layup because it comes naturally to him. Um, he doesn't rebuke them. He just asks them for millions on millions on millions of dollars. It's different. Uh, but... When we ask for God, when we ask God for things, it, it comes natural for God to respond. That's why he won't rebuke us. It's his desire to give good things to his children. Jump down just for a second to James chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. It says, Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God, our Heavenly Father, 
who created all the lights in the heavens. He will never, he never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. James makes a point in verse 5. God is generous. He won't rebuke us for asking. And, he, and in verses 17 and 18, James explains why that's true. In, in verse 17, James says it's true that we can ask God for things. It's true that God is generous because actually every good and perfect gift comes from God. I mean, whatever comes to your mind when you think of a good gift, whatever comes to your mind when you think of a perfect gift, I mean, depending on what, what season of life you're in, a good gift can be as simple as sleep. But every good and perfect gift comes from God who is consistent and without change. We can trust that God won't rebuke us for asking, us, asking for what we need uh, because he won't welcome us into his presence one minute and then boot us out the next. He never changes. He never, ever casts a shadow. So James says we can trust that he is generous because every good comes from him. It must mean that he's generous. But second, he says, even more so, not, as, not only is every good gift enjoyed by every person uh, a sign of God's generosity, it's also a sign of God's generosity that he has made us part of his family and that he loves to give good gifts to his children. James says that uh, we have been brought into God's family by his true word, that we have become his prized possession. This is why God is glad to be with us and, and to glad to give us what we need. He's a father who loves us more than he loves anything else in all creation. My friend Paul, some of you have met him, my friend Paul tells a story about how he raised his daughters. Paul is in the ministry and got to a point where he began to travel a lot. He told his girls that if he, uh, if he was gone for more than a week, he would bring them back a present. And so one time he, he was living in Britain and he uh, was flying to America for over a week to do some stuff, and his daughter said, I want a robot from America. And Paul spent that every free moment of that week looking for a robot to take his, back to his daughter in England. Why? Because when he brought her that, he wanted not, he didn't just want her to think that he's a good dad, he wanted her to learn something about the Father, about our Heavenly Father. He wanted her to learn that God gives us good things. In fact, Paul, trying to help his kids see that attribute of God's character, said that he told his daughters that he would give them anything they wanted as long as he could afford it and as long as it was good for them. And he did that, again, not to spoil them, not to be liked, but because he wanted them to understand what God's character is like. God's character is simply this. God's character is that he wants to give us good things. God deeply desires to give us the things that we need. And it seems that sometimes God even just wants to give us what we want. Not if that's a Maserati when all we can afford is a Chevy Cruze, but he wants to give us the things we want because he is just a good dad. And I know that sitting at home, watching me talk to you on your TV, it's, it's not how we planned on spending this morning. Listening to me on the podcast today is not how we planned on spending the morning or spending your week. It's not how you wanted to engage with the Lord this morning. We live in unpredictable times. Unlike God, who never casts a shifting shadow, every day of our lives casts a shifting shadow, especially in these times. As mandatory shutdowns are announced in states across the country, as the, state of, as the situation in the state of Ohio seems to be rapidly changing, 
you know, we are on the tail of a hotly contested election. Depending on who you ask, that election is still going on. We're on the heels of the worst civil unrest that we have seen in 50 years. This is on the heels of six months of changed plans and confusion and discouragement. And, and when we gather as a staff, when our Regen staff gathers, we, we start with what we call personal headlines. We just take a few minutes to share the big news, the headlines in our lives. Sometimes that's a celebration, but sometimes that's actually something bad. It's a struggle or a disappointment. And in the midst of national headlines that are bad news, there are headlines in our own lives, in your life, that are places of discouragement and confusion and maybe even helplessness. In the midst of our helplessness and confusion, our discouragement, we are, we are invited today to look to our generous God for what we need. In the midst of discouragement and confusion and helplessness in these strange days, what we need more than anything, what we need more than anything is a sense of how to go about our day in a good way. How do we go about our lives? What we need, the Bible's word for that is wisdom. And that's why it catches my attention that James says, if any of you needs wisdom, let him ask our generous God. As I found myself not feeling great yesterday, knowing it's my allergies, knowing I'll be okay, knowing that somebody in our church sent out an email that said, don't come to church even if you're sure it's your allergies. That was me. Uh, I needed wisdom to figure out how to lead us in the right direction. I needed wisdom. As Steph and I parent a toddler who is learning no and testing his boundaries, and by the way, that's so good, and I want Jack one day to have a strong no, uh, it's still hard. It's so hard to know how with wisdom to parent him so that when he's 40, he is a fully functioning adult. W wisdom is the ability to apply what we know to the problems of life. I mean, we've met people who are geniuses but can barely walk across the street. They're not wise, right? Uh, wisdom is the ability to recognize how do we apply what I know to the problems of life. It's the ability to recognize I don't know enough to approach the problems of my life. I need to do something different. That's what wisdom is. Wisdom is how we make decisions that bless others. Wisdom is how we flourish in life. Wisdom is how we honor the Lord. Wisdom is how we honor the Lord. In these strange days, hear me, in these strange days, there is a commodity of far greater value than toilet paper. And it's wisdom. It's wisdom. And while James insists it's God's desire to give us what we need and what we want, he tells us that above all, God's desire is to give us wisdom. And so he tells us to ask for wisdom, but then he kind of gives us like a prayer tutorial in verses 6 through 8. He says, But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Some of your translations say, be sure that not to doubt. And that makes us think Christians are bad if they doubt. And it's actually meaning something else. It's actually speaking to loyalty not wrestling with big questions that just comes from following Jesus. When you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty, see it's about loyalty, is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. James is helping us see that sometimes we ask God for wisdom or we ask God for something that we need. And when we do, our faith really isn't in God or our faith, 
it's imperfect, it's half-hearted, it's not there. Maybe we're doing it because we know we should. We should ask God for wisdom, but we aren't confident that God will hear us. Because, you know, sometimes we, we don't ask God for what we want, or we ask God half-heartedly or with hedging our bets, simply because we don't really believe that God is going to do what he says he's going to do. We don't trust him. We don't think that God will really respond when we ask. So we ask, but we qualify and we hedge and we use in prayer a lot of like jests and well, you know, let your will be done. We're trying to protect us from disappointment. But James has worked overtime in this chapter to help us see God's character, that God in his nature wants to give us what we need. More, and I, more often than not, you and I worry that if we ask, God won't give. So we, so we, so we ask, we ask, but we, we hedge our bets. We pray in a way to protect ourselves from disappointment. Sometimes we do ask God, but we're impatient for his response. We ask for God's wisdom, but we can't wait for God's wisdom or God's timing. So we take matters into our own hands. There's this using then of worldly wisdom instead of waiting to receive God's wisdom and God's timing. There's a story in the Old Testament uh, in which a man named Abraham, he and his wife are like 99 and 100. They're ancient. Uh, And he's promised a son. They're promised a son. And instead of waiting to receive God's promise, he takes matters into his own hands. He gets a son through his wife's servant. He sleeps with her. And we do this all of the time. We ask, we wait a minute, like two seconds, and then we take matters into our own hands, using the wisdom of the world to accomplish the problems that God has invited us to wait for him on. Sometimes we ask, but we do so with what James calls divided loyalties. Our lips honor God, but our hearts are far from him. We're not trying to protect ourselves as we sometimes are. Instead, either consciously or unconsciously, we're not two-faced, but we're facing two ways. We ask God for wisdom about how to parent our kids. We ask God about how we should spend our, but, but our time, we, we, we ask God for wisdom about how to parent our kids. And when we don't get the answer we want or we're not sure, we end up just kind of raising them in this very worldly way and then being surprised that they're not Christians. We ask wisdom about how to spend our money. We ask God to provide for us, but we spend everything on ourselves. We get ourselves into debt and we have hearts that don't reflect the kingdom. We ask for wisdom how to live our lives in these strange days, but we spend way more time on social media and watching the news looking for stuff that we agree with to just kind of give us the pat on the back that we feel like that we need. James says, we ask, but we do so protecting ourselves from disappointment. We ask, but then we take matters into our own hands. We ask, but we do so with divided loyalties, with one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world. And so James makes an invitation. He says, trust God. Trust God. He says, when you ask, put your trust and your faith and God alone. And you know that feeling of confusion and disappointment and frustration, that feeling of fear? It's in the air we breathe, it's in the water we drink, because we live in a culture that is far from God. We live in a culture that has jettisoned God's wisdom. And so we're left to a culture that James says is like a wave on the sea, tossing here and tossing there, taking us here, taking us there. 
But here's the good news. Here, here, listen, we don't have to live like that. We don't have to live all blown about and tossed about. We don't have to be double-minded. We don't have to live all confused and churned up and anxious. We can trust God to give us what we need. We can trust God to give us the wisdom we need to find peace in the storm, to live lives of flourishing and blessing and honor for the Lord. We can ask God for wisdom, and he will give it to us because giving comes naturally to him. Jesus says, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. He says, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask for them? Jesus says God's heart is to give us good things, and the greatest gift that God has ever given us is his son, and Jesus invites us to follow him to the heart of God. To find there a generosity, a willing to give us what we need. Following Jesus to the heart of God is simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. We do what Jesus says. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. James says, if you need wisdom ask our generous God. He won't rebuke you for asking. We follow Jesus to the heart of God by asking. We ask a God who is generous. And so today as we close, I just want to invite you to join me in a time of prayer where we'll ask God for wisdom. And at the end of this time of prayer, a link will show up in the comments on YouTube and on Facebook so that you can go to Zoom and uh, pray with people. Uh, pray with people from our oversight team, maybe a, a deeper need that you have. But I, I simply want to lead you in a short time of prayer, asking God for wisdom. So wherever you are, I want to invite you to repeat this simple prayer after me. And as you do, uh, to do it with a heart that trusts the Lord. So would you pray, pray, pray with me? Just repeat what I pray. Heavenly Father, I know you want to give me what I need. I know you have invited me to ask. You've invited me to ask for wisdom. So here I am asking. I need wisdom. Send your Holy Spirit. Give me the wisdom I need today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.